0: Today's scripture is Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. There is not a Sunday or any time that I am preparing to preach God's Word to a bunch of people that I don't get incredibly nervous. Sometimes you may look and say, Marcus, it doesn't look like you get nervous, but I do. I get nervous not for the practicality of public speaking, but the weight of the Word of God and the possibilities. I always share this. Uh, James, The book of James, chapter 3, verse 1 says, those of us who have been called to be teachers will be judged more strictly, more harshly we will be. I feel that weight, and in a sense, I was just sitting there thinking, and this might be a word I'll hear for somebody in here this morning, um, if you hear me. Um, In 2004, I was... uh, taking a group of sixth graders to a youth camp uh, in May of 2004, I remember. I think it was May 23rd um, through 26th of that year. Not that you care, but I care. Um, and we were praying over these, over these uh, kids, sixth graders, that God would send some of them into the ministry, into some form of Christian ministry, whether it's missionary work, pastoral work, leadership in some kind, and I remember the scripture for that week was the uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, where God is asking who will go for us, and Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. If you know that scripture, um, keep that in mind. As I was praying that morning, to the, uh, that evening to those kids, I just, I just felt this sense inside of me that you, Marcus, are not praying that scripture for these children. You are praying it for you. I was a teacher at that point in life, and I had a trajectory that was not this. Um, I was heading to, I was going to head to law school, I was going to be a politician, believe it or not. And that was 2004, and I tested that scripture. I would go to churches and go to different sermons or different um, services, and I said, God, if you really want this to be true, somewhere in this service, that verse will come up. And the preachers sometimes will be preaching on that very passage. I have my Bible. It's a King James Bible that I have at home. And I have the dates that that actually happened. One night, Annie and I were dating. Um, On a Saturday night, we went to a service. And we did this. We're sitting in the back of a church, Calvary Aurora in, in Aurora, Colorado. And we sat in the back of the church. And sure enough, Pastor was preaching that passage. Now I knew then and there, politics was not an option. Preaching the word. So I want you to know that when I step before you as I prepare to preach, I carry that weight um, that God has called me to do just what I'm doing here today. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for your grace and peace that surpasses all understanding. I thank you that you actually speak to individuals and to groups collectively. Lord, I pray that in the next 20 or so minutes, would you move in a powerful way in the hearts and minds of those people who are hearing it. If someone here needs to take notes, someone here needs to remember something that is said this morning, would you give them the clarity of mind to hear, not my words, but the words of Christ for their life, for their situation for their present circumstances. God, we thank you for our city. We thank you for our church. We thank you for our country. We thank you that we can stand in the gap and pray because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? This morning we are in the book of Colossians. Liz, thank you for reading. Uh, four, uh, four verses, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and that's what we'll be for the next few minutes. I have titled this sermon, actually before I start, the ushers are looking at me. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Um, we will get you one. That Bible is yours, a gift from the church to you. Um, if you need one in English or in Spanish, please raise your hand and we will get you one uh, for this time. It is yours to keep. Thank you, ushers. Thank you for reminding me. I've titled this morning's sermons or exchange between you and I, uh, Keep Your Head Up Looking at Christ. Keep Your Head Up Looking at Christ. For about five years, uh, between 2016 and and 2020 or 21, I worked, or 2014, Actually, 2015, I worked with men and women who had spent significant amounts of time incarcerated. At least two of these men, with whom I became pretty close with, had spent time not only incarcerated, but in what is now known as solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is a way of punishing punishing prisoners by separating them from human presence or contact of other humans besides the guards for a period of time. You are locked in a room for 23 hours a day without any other human contact. When we would get around to it, because you don't just bring those kinds of things up with people who have been incarcerated, when you know them well enough and you ask them, what was it like? I would ask them, how does a human being... Mentally survive not having human contact for days or weeks, locked up alone. And they would share their stories about those days. I remember also going to, getting ready to go to a women's prison to lead the Friday night services in the women's prison in Denver. And as I was preparing the paperwork, I remember the rules that were telling me that when you go in there, there is a no touch policy. So those women who were in that, in, those prison, in that prison could not touch each other in any way, hug, high five, anything of that sort. I never got to go to the women's prison, but I heard the stories of their Friday night services. In their Friday night services, every week, there would be one or two ladies who were preparing to leave. That was their last church service before they went back out into the world. And the women who had no opportunity, who who were there for life, who would never leave, would be in tears, praying for those ladies who were about to leave. I read an excerpt in an interview with a former prisoner who ended up actually being a TV star um, on, on, on a sitcom. He was asked why he never ended up going back to prison like so many others in our society that we know. He said this. He said, I never decorated my cell. In other words, he was trying to say, I never made prison my home. This morning, I want to speak to you about looking beyond your circumstances, seeking to set your mind on things above. Paul calls it things above. Keeping your eyes and mind on higher things Paul is writing, coincidentally, ironically, to the church in Colossae from prison and urging them to set their minds on things above. When I came to America, I understood sometimes that this, this, Americans, we have, we or they, we, whatever you want to use, have a lot of idiomatic expressions, And for someone who comes from outside the culture, it takes a while to understand them. One of those cultures, kind of one of those idiomatic expressions that I find interesting are what we refer to people who aren't quite always with us in a conversation. People who are dreamers or clueless, we call them. The heads are always in the clouds, right? Ditsy, right? Those kinds of words. Or they're a space cadet. People who keep their heads in the clouds when you're talking to them. I'm not talking about those people. What I am talking about is people who are in a spiritual sense understand that earth is not their home, that they have a vision and a taste for heavenly things, for higher things, for future things. Pick me up verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, he says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, by the way, have been raised in the original languages, eras, kind of eras of past tense, active going forward, saying, really saying you have been co-resurrected. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Firstly, a clear reference to things unseen, things in the heavenly and imagination is what it for your imagination to to start to seek out things that are coming. Secondarily, this passage is saying that keep a vision for the appearances of heavenly things that you see here on earth. So keep your mind on things in the future, but also keep your eyes out for things that are happening that are that are Heavenly things here on earth. As Christ followers, we should be characterized in part by the determined effort that we have to focus on the things of God while working to bring glimpses of those things here on earth. This is the concept that is difficult for me, at least, to understand when theologians say we should be people of the already and not yet of God's kingdom meaning we have been saved, but we are still here on earth. So there is a not yet that, that, that heavenly things are coming, but it's also a sense of there's an already we've been saved. You understand, right? The world is broken, but yet sometimes you see glimpses of what God is doing, and it shows you just a little bit of what heaven will be like. Our countenance should not be concerned primarily with the distractions and decorations of this world. Like a prisoner looking to be set free, we must look to that day while living faithfully, but attitudes and values that we should espouse. So what are those things that are about? What should I be focused on, Marcus? Maybe you're asking. Let me give you a quick list. Joyfulness. Tenderness should characterize us. Kindness. Meekness, a lot of nesses, patience, wisdom, forgiveness, love. It's just a few things that when you have your mind set on things above, your lifestyle reflects and characterizes those kinds of things. Notice I did not say happiness. These are the characteristics of things from above. We know that as Christians, man, there are some battles on this earth that will seemingly, that we will seemingly lose. I had trouble understanding why kids get cancer or why people die of cancer, and we say they lost their battle with cancer. But people who have their mindset on things above, know that they may have lost that battle, but the war was won a long time ago. These are the characteristics of people who are heavenly minded. Maybe you're saying to yourself this morning, Marcus, I need you to preach more. I need you to tell me more, take me more. I would take you further. Because you say to me, some of those characteristics, Marcus, you just named, those don't really describe me now. I don't see any of that in my Christian walk. I'm, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not even sure. I don't see joy or, or, or forgiveness and things like that in my countenance. I don't see any patience or kindness or tenderness in Christians around me or in myself. That's not the authentic me, Marcus. I want to be an authentic person. I'm going to get on your block a little bit this morning. It's not natural, some of you have said or are thinking, for me to be these things. That list is great, but that's not me. And I feel like I'm faking it when I try to force it. I hear you. I see you. And you're right. That's not the natural you. This list is not natural to us. Kevin DeYoung, a pastor in, I think, Virginia, North Carolina, wrote a wonderful book. You should probably pick it up sometime. It's called The Hole in Our Holiness. And he has a quote that we're going to throw up here in a minute. It says this, God does not want you to, God does want you, excuse me, to be the real you. He does want you to be true to yourself. But the you he's talking about is not the you that you are by grace, not by nature. Sorry, I read that wrong. But it is the you that he is talking about, is the you that you are by grace and not by nature. You may want to read that last sentence again because the difference between living in sin and living in righteousness depends on getting that last sentence right. God does not say, relax, you were born this way. But he does say, good news, you were reborn another way. Our world wants authenticity. If you have to try to be authentic, you're not authentic. The sinful you is not the real you. The real you is by God's grace who you become in the already and not yet. When I was sitting there thinking about this, I said, maybe this will land with somebody. The sinful you is not the real you. It is the natural you, but it's not the saved by grace you. The real you, like I said, is by God's God's grace who you become. By God's grace, not by nature, we are able to set our minds on things above. By God's grace, though troubles will come, you will know that your Redeemer lives. By God's grace, there are battles here that we may lose, but know that the war for your salvation has already been won. The war for your eternal destiny has already been won. You don't need to fight that battle. By God's grace, we are to possess an attitude that is not tossed to and and fro by the winds of society. By God's grace, adopt the disposition of what I call a a cruise ship captain on rough seas. By God's grace, you are capable of staying the course so that you get to your destination despite the storms. Some of you may not know this, but there was a time, maybe say 20 years ago, I, 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 I found myself increasingly saying that because I guess when you get old, you start saying things like that. You may not know this. Um, I'll be 43 next week. Um, so I'm getting, I'm getting to that point where I start to tell stories Right? Like 20 years ago, some of you guys can identify with this. (laughs) Some of you can identify with this. Folks will give you, folks used to give us verbal directions on how to get to the house. And when you miss one turn, if you miss one turn, you're in trouble. You better find a gas station or something, Jesus, because if you're going a far away, if you don't have a map in your car, my goodness, by the way, you can't find maps out there anymore. I've looked. Rand McNally, I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> I can't remember the last time someone came to my house. I gave them my address and said, I was coming to your house and I got lost. It doesn't happen. He's you them your address. We ought to have that kind of confidence. God has given us the address. Uh-oh, you with me? God has given us the address. We have the coordinates to get there. Despite the traffic, despite the, despite the construction, you know you're going to get there. You know where you're going and you know when you arrive. Focusing on things above aren't our natural disposition, folks. It's by the grace of God that we're able to change our vantage point on how we see the world, how we experience things in this world today. So why seek things? why seek things from above? Verse three and four. Why seek those things? Verse three says this: "For you have died." And your life is hidden with Jesus Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let me read verse 4 again. When Christ, who is your life, Christ is your life, then you will appear with him also in glory. We seek things from above because we are alive. We were once dead and focused on earthly things, but when we become alive, we must also change our view. We must also become more and more aligned with Jesus Christ and his mission on this earth. When we seek things above, we aren't moved by the instability of the world around us. When your faith is firmly planted in Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 to 10 says this, we will be hard pressed on every side but not crushed. We will be perplexed but not in despair. We will be persecuted but we won't be abandoned. We will be struck down but we won't be destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. despite what the news will say, despite what your infinite scroll will tell you. I just went there, huh? Remain above. Remain above. Because when you remain above, your foundation grows deeper. Would you live in a house that after every windstorm ended up somewhere else? After every windstorm, every storm, you had to to get a new address because the storm just blew your house somewhere else? Would you live in a house like that? See, some of you are living that way this morning. I mean, get inside your house right now and get inside your fridge. One windstorm, next thing you know, you're somewhere else. You used to be living on First Ave, now you're on Avernon. You used to be on 6th Avenue. Next thing you know, you're on 22nd. You don't have a firm foundation. When folks, when we bring up discipleship, when we talk about Bible reading or prayer, you don't have time. Mind you, next week, you might be in Casa Grande spiritually. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is that when you seek things from above, you stay rooted in the Lord. You are here to glorify God. And it starts with the Word of God. If you want to stay rooted and grounded in the Lord so that the winds of the world, the, 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 the storms come, and you're able to withstand them, I'm not talking about too, too blessed to be stressed kind of stuff. I'm talking about deeply rooted faith in God that can withstand the storms of life. doesn't mean the storms won't come. They will. Matter of fact, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to go through storms. Take time to get familiar with the goodness and the sweetness of the Word of God. Set the time to build your foundation in the Word of God. How many of you commute to work on a day? How many of you commute? It's okay to raise your hand if you commute in your car every day. Thank you. It's okay. It's not a trick question. (laughs) Everybody's looking nervous like, do I commute? (laughs) I just want to offer you a suggestion if you commute, either on your way to or on your way from work, shut the radio down and meet with the Lord. Pray, sit in silence and say, God, what do you want me to see today? Give thanks to God for your life. I always like to tell you a story. 1990, I was 11 years old. We're in a civil war in the middle of it, and we're eating one meal a day. And the meal wasn't a gourmet meal. It was rice and salt or rice and whatever greens I could go out and scamper and and bring back to our compound. Water was scarce, and I was basically risking my life every day to leave our compound to go find water for us to drink. But every day in that war, everybody came to 12 noon prayer. We prayed because we didn't have anything else to hold on to. We started off in August with 80 people living in that house. And by November, we have 55 because people had died. People had gone out and never came back. I used to hold on to God greater than I hold on to God today. I can tell you that without shame. I, I held on to God. I prayed so hard that the days that I left the house, that I will come back alive. We're here in an era now in this country where people are leaving the church because they've seen some new teaching. You've seen some new guru, some new doctrine, some new philosophy, maybe some new teacher, and you've run off with that storm or something has shaken your faith. It saddens me Because how many people of those people came to church over and over and over and never quite developed their foundation? Am I on your couch yet? If you're sitting here this morning and you're not reading your Bible regularly, I suggest, matter of fact, I urge you do, to build your foundation so when those storms come, you're able to withstand them. Can I get an amen? One windstorm should not shake your faith as much as, and you end up leaving. One college professor, one podcast should not move you away from the Lord. This, storms aren't new. Storms have been happening to Christians since Christ came. Storms have been happening to the people of God since Christ came. In Genesis chapter 3, the first storm hit, Adam and Eve are sitting there and the devil comes and says, did God actually say and he rattled their foundation, and they fell. Did God actually say X, Y, and Z? Here's what I wish I could say to someone who is struggling with their faith right now, and I know there's a number of you in a a crowd like this, there's a number of you struggling. I'm there with you. Here's what I want to say. I want to say, I know you've heard this, fill in the blank, about the church but let me show you Jesus. I know you've heard this and that about Christians, but let me show you Jesus. I know you've heard this and that about the Bible, but let me show you Jesus. I know you've heard this and that about pastors, but let me show you Jesus. I know you've heard this and that about Bible studies, but let me show you Jesus. I know you've heard this and that about church community but let me show you Jesus. Because when you show people Jesus, they have to make a decision. When you set your minds on things above, you cannot be shaken and you cannot end up on Alvernon if your house is on First Avenue. When you set your minds on Christ, Paul says in verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Keep your head up, looking at Christ, looking for Christ. Some old demons may creep up, and the Christian life is often a struggle. It is difficult sometimes to keep your minds on things above, but stay the course. Laura Andrews, who is a counselor, at the Christian Counseling Education Foundation, writes this. She says, the regrets of yesterdays and the fears of tomorrow, the dread of today, will all end the way Jesus' time on earth ended in a resurrection. All these fears and anxieties will prove untrue. Some of you may be saying this morning, I kind of see Jesus, but he seems so far away from me right now. I see him, but he seems so far. Let me remind you, in in Matthew chapter 14, the the, the disciples are in a boat, and they're in the middle of a storm, and they see Jesus afar. And only one person has the the audacity, the nerve to say, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to get out of the boat. Peter gets out of the boat on the water. Jesus is walking towards them. He's walking on water, and Peter gets out, and he starts walking towards Jesus what happens to Peter? He starts to see, he starts to feel the winds of the storm. He starts to feel the water, and he looks down, and he starts to sink. Peter was courageous to step out of the boat and walk towards Jesus, but at some point, when he sees the wind, he's afraid, and he starts to sink. He cried out and says, Jesus, and Jesus brings him up. Some of you are courageous enough to step out in Christian faith. You look up, but the winds have you shaken. Right now, you're going through something that you're, 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 you can see Jesus afar. You say, I'm trying to walk to you, Jesus, but I'm sinking. My situation is dire, but I'm sinking. Hang in there. Jesus sees you. Cry out to him and he will lift you up. It's not lost on me that some of you are going through just difficult circumstances with mental health right now. The battle is exactly real, and it feels like the wins in your life are fewer than the losses, and they're so far in between. The wins are so few and far between, I mean. There is help. There is hope. I don't want you to hang up pictures where you are in life right now. As a prisoner in prison, you know you're only going to be there for so long. God's going to deliver you. It sounds imperfect. I hope it doesn't sound trite. But we are here to walk alongside you in the storms. There are days ahead that Jesus has for you seated at the right hand of God. God's strong right hand, the verse says, will guide, will keep, will strengthen us this morning. Four or five years ago, my wife can tell you this, not even four or five, probably three or four, I was going through a period where I was so stressed, so anxious. I had headaches every day, my face would tingle every day, and I thought I had a brain tumor. I was so, I was, and then the compounds, your health, you know, you, know, you get into that cycle where you think this is not going all right, and everything is not working out. And I, and I thought, I, used, I went to the emergency room, emergency room so many times. I even had a, a CAT scan done on my brain just to make sure, but I was still nervous. Your mind starts to play on you. I had to cry out to God. God, do something. I want to cling onto your garment. If you're sitting here this morning, you're looking, I want you to reach out and cling to Jesus' garment in a way that you pray and you ask. He said, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you let this thing go from me. The strong right hand of God, I need you to begin to set your mind slowly on the things that are above and slowly seek the things above. Would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. There are things that you have revealed to us and there's also things that are great and a great mystery. Lord, we've all not lived long enough to know everything about you. What we do know is that you love and care for us beyond our days on this earth. Heavenly Father, there are people in this room going through storms and the winds, and they're looking for you, God. Would you meet them? Would you care for them? Would you show them yourself? Lord, we thank you, and we want to honor you in all the ways that we can. Heavenly Father, many here have shed tears on their pillow at night, and their minds they are sitting in their car alone thinking, Lord, where are you? Lord, would you meet them? Heavenly Father, I intercede and say, God, move on the behalf of people who are following you, O oh Lord. Teach them, move them, heal them. In Jesus' name, amen.